Welcome and good morning, uh, especially uh, if this is your first Sunday here. Uh, my name is uh, Rich Hendricks, and I'm the family pastor, and uh, I'm glad that uh, you're spending your morning with us here. Hey, let me, before we get started here, does, is, did anybody have to do the flood the basement battle last night? We had one person, yeah, yeah. I got to fight that battle last night, yeah, like very late, or I guess early in the morning. And uh, so none of you did it, but how many of you maybe got to experience the cat fight in the basement battle? Nobody? Nobody? Yeah, well, I got to do that one too. So I had a really fun evening last night. I hope you did too. Um, but it was epic. Has, uh, it's a good word to use there. Anyways, uh, <laughs> hey, you know, it's been, a, it's been an interesting week, and most all of you probably know that uh, um, Billy Graham passed away, and... Um, you know, he is now uh, home. Saw a, uh, a billboard, a big billboard, had his name on it, and on it said, Gone Home. And that is true. He is, is home with his Lord and Savior, and, uh, and he was a great man. And uh, pray for the funeral, pray for the different things that are going on, because I can guarantee you that the gospel is going to go out, and he is still affecting people. God is still using him, even in his death. So... So we're kind of continuing on in our message in the book of Acts, and, and uh, this week it's called The Empowered Life Healing Today. And uh, let me make this statement here. Sooner or later, every Christian will have to decide what he or she thinks about the possibility of physical healing in this life. Let me read it one more time. Sooner or later, every Christian will have to decide what he or she thinks about the possibility of physical healing in this life. And so this, through this message this morning, we're going to ask a couple of questions dealing uh, with healing. I'm going to share with you some of my own personal experiences um, in this area, and, uh, and we'll kind of work through it and then see where God leads us. You know, in week one of our new series here, The Empowered Life, the book of Acts, uh, Pastor Chris gave us an introduction into the book of Acts and into the role of the Holy Spirit. The second week, Pastor Nick helped us look a little closer at what it meant to receive the Holy Spirit as it comes upon you, as it says in Acts 1.8. And we looked at what that power was, why do we need it, who's it for, and how do we receive it. And then last week, Chris talked about how the Holy Spirit forms community and how he brings the community Together And so this week in Acts chapter 3, after all that has happened, we come across the first miracle in Acts. And in reality, it's the first post-Jesus miracle, and it involves Peter and John healing a guy who's sitting at the gate at the temple. And so most, in most of your Bibles, he's called the lame beggar. And so uh, to get a, a little piece of that story, uh, why don't you go ahead and stand? We're going to read God's Word. We're going to read the first 12 verses uh, in Acts, uh, in chapter 3. It's page 911 uh, in your pew Bible. And then we're going to also read verse 16. So let's go ahead and read God's word. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. 
Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all of the people saw him walking and praising God, and recognized him as the one who sat in the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people utterly, all the people utterly astounded, ran together to them in a portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us? As though by our own power or piety, we have him walk. And we have made him walk. And then verse 16. And his name by faith in his name has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, we need you this morning. Lord, we need you to speak. Lord, uh, teach us through your word. Uh, Teach us through your Holy Spirit. Lord, may we experience you today. May we learn new things about you. May we trust you even more this morning. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, why don't you go ahead and uh, take a seat. All right. So let's go ahead and review this story. The church is uh, just kicked off a couple of days ago, earlier on Pentecost, uh, when the promised Holy Spirit came, and uh, things were pretty crazy, they were pretty exciting. There had been a sound like a rushing wind that came into the room that they were there, that where they were. Tongues like fire setting on the apostles, and then the apostles began speaking languages that they had never learned before, and this was all going on, and it was very exciting. And then right after that, Peter's first stirring sermon takes place. And it says in that sermon that they were cut to the heart. And the night after that, about 3,000 people repented of their sins and they were baptized uh, into Christ. And from there, as Chris talked about last week, community was formed. People came together. It wasn't isolation. Uh, It wasn't individualism, as Chris talked about, that separated one from another. But it was a shared experience of the living God inside of them, uniting them with a common goal, that common goal being to make Jesus known to the world. So now it's just a couple of days later. Peter and John, they're on their their way uh, to the temple uh, to pray. They're just kind of minding their own business. Who knows what they were thinking about? And then this happens. A guy is sitting at the entrance of the temple, the gate of the temple, where this lame man was, and he was there daily, And at this point in time, he was there again and asking for alms. As a matter of fact, this guy was there, according to the scriptures, every day asking for money for who knows how long. And he sees Peter and John. And of course, 
He's asking for money, and he would ask them for money. But what did they do? They stop, okay? And then they tell the man to look at them. And at this point, I'm sure he figures out, man, this is going to be good. I'm going to get some money. They stopped. But Peter does something completely unexpected and tells him, I don't have money, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now, this lame man, he did not ask to be healed. In fact, he hadn't even asked about Jesus. He didn't know who these guys were. All he wanted was a few coins to help him pay for a meal or two. This man was not even saved. He was not a Christ follower. He had business to do, and that business was surviving. But Peter heals him. And why would Peter do that? Why heal a man who hadn't even, hadn't even asked to be healed, who wasn't looking for Jesus or for them. He was just looking for a little pocket change. So why does Peter even offer to heal this man? Well, my guess is that it wasn't Peter's idea. I think Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, prompted him to do it. And perhaps, and I don't think I'm stretching here, and uh, this is my conjecture, I believe that the, that the Spirit did what he did to draw this crowd just like he drew the crowd in Pentecost for the sole purpose of giving Jesus glory and using it as an opportunity for people to come into a personal relationship with him by hearing the gospel, the good news. And why do we uh, think this? Well, because after Peter, after this time, Peter gives his second sermon and he calls the people to repentance and to accept Jesus. See, one of the things that I want uh, and you to have this morning and for and what I would like for you to get and what I would like for you perhaps to understand is to realize from these messages here that as we walk through and we talk about the living and empowered life, I hope that you come to realize that you have the same spirit inside you that Peter had inside of him. In fact, Romans eight eleven says this, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. And so if you are a Christ follower, you have that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwelling in you. And he, the Holy Spirit, can prompt you to do things also. And so this opens up our message today about healing, some background. Fourteen times we see healing in the book of Acts. And before we even get more into asking a, a couple of very important questions about healing, I wanted to see some things that happened out of this time of healing um, this man here. And so we're going to take a look at four or five different things here um, that we learned from him being healed. So let's take a, a quick look. Uh, first thing I want to draw your attention to is, is that we see joy. We see joy out of this. Can you imagine this man's situation? He's there. At the gate. And somebody comes up to him. He's crippled from birth. His whole life is wrapped up in this condition. His survival was based on being able to gather enough money from begging to live. And then he's healed. And it says that he leaped up. When he entered the temple, he was walking and leaping and praising God. And I'd say that was a picture of joy. The second thing we see is praise 
and worship towards God. Two times it says that he was praising God. And this healing pointed to God and the people were intrigued and they were filled with wonder and amazement. In verse 11 it says that they were utterly astounded and they ran together to the apostles. Thirdly, the healing miracle, it was a testimony to the people, I believe, to draw them to God. He decided, God decided to use this particular man at this particular time to heal him, to draw people to God. These people knew who this man was. Verse 10 says, recognizing him as being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg alms. And so all the people there in the temple saw him walking and praising, not himself, not Peter, not John, but God. And it was undeniable that a miracle had taken place. As a matter of fact, even the Jewish leaders knew that a miracle had taken place. We find in, in Acts chapter 4, verse 16, that they say this, What shall we do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. The fourth thing is that it pointed to Jesus, and it validated who he was and the power of his name. These disciples, full of the Holy Spirit in Jesus, healed this man in his name, and it was not of themselves. And they made it very clear. In verse 12, And when Peter saw it, he had addressed the people, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us? As though by our own power, we have made him walk. Peter was saying it wasn't us. It was the faith of Peter and John, their confidence and authority and the power of Jesus through the Holy Spirit who healed this man. See, Peter believed that Jesus could do this, that he could help this man walk, Jesus, that Jesus could solve this man's issue, this problem in his life. And so when Peter said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk, he was acting on Jesus' behalf as his servant. And so Peter, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, into the name of Christ, and through the indwelling Holy Spirit, Jesus was working through Peter and John at this moment. It was Jesus who healed that man. Verse 4, verse 16 says, By him, Jesus, this man is standing before you well. And then finally, just for this little background here, the last thing here is that God used it for his own glory and to point to redemption. See, the healing was a, a, was a, a precursor, a message about salvation that Jesus can bring. The guy first asked for money, right? And in verse 6, Peter says, silver and gold, I don't have. In other words, what you want from me, that's good, that's fine, that may help you. But I'm going to give you something much better than that. I'm going to give you something that's much deeper than that. I'm going to give you something much more permanent than that. Instead of giving him money, he began by giving him physical healing. And then what happens with this guy? Eventually we find in chapter 4, this guy becomes a disciple of Christ, which is the greatest gift and what true healing is. Remember, Peter didn't require this guy to believe in Jesus before he healed him. He didn't require him to be saved before he prayed over him. And from that point on, the church continued to grow uh, and do well. So what Peter did was to invite Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit into that moment. And I just want to challenge you that, that you have an opportunity through your life with your friends 
to invite Jesus into the moment. Don't neglect that. Bring him into your conversations with your friends. Bring him into your conversation with your family at your workplace. Bring him in to the moment. Okay. So with that background and the fact, as I stated before, that physical healing appears 14 times in the book of Acts. To finish this off, I wanted to ask and look at two different questions about healing. And the first question is this. Does God heal today? Remember that statement I made at the very beginning of the message? Sooner or later, every Christian will have to decide what he or she thinks about the possibility of physical healing in this life. And so when we ask a question like that, we cannot shy away from from the fact that there's some polarizing views on healing, okay? Uh, Both sides of the aisle. On one end, you have those who promise health and wealth for everybody who follows Jesus, if you have just enough, if you have enough faith. On the other are those people who truly are kind of skeptical, all right? They think that most people that who claim to have been healed or experienced physical healing are either they're lying or they're delusional and that they're not really telling the truth. And then even Christians who agree that God heals sometimes, but not always, they even them can be confused as to what all of it really means. You know, questions come up, questions arise when we talk about this. Does God heal if we simply have enough faith? Should we assume that sickness is a gift from God designed to teach us about suffering or perseverance? All I know And all that I am aware of is that we should not put God in a box. And we should let God do what God does. So getting back to our question, does God heal today? And my answer is yes. First off, there's nothing in the Bible that indicates that he has stopped. And without wondering into the question of the sign gifts, and whether they are for today or not, realizing that some of you may hold different uh, interpretations and understanding of those gifts, we have a God of miracles, including healing. And from the very first book and the very first verse through the end of God is doing miraculous things. And, and, and if he wasn't God, then he wouldn't be doing those things. And he is God. And so we see that throughout God's word. And I think even beginning to understand healing, it is to realize what I have come to believe, as do many, is that there is more than one type of healing, more than one type of divine healing. So let's take a look at a few. The first one, I'm just going to call it healing by God's design. Out of God's grace, who created you, who created me, who created the world, he has created the miracle of our bodies and our systems. You know, if a virus attacks us, right, what happens? Our white blood cells, they move into action, and they start attacking the bad stuff in our bodies. God has designed our bodies to be in a constant repair mode. Yours and my body, it heals itself And that is a part of God's creation. It started with God, and therefore, it's divinely done. Second, and I'll explain it uh, this way. Maybe we call it gifts of skill, uh, discoverable talents that is given to man. 
Um, and I'll just make this, you know, personal because, and you'll find it through this message, uh, that I want to talk about personal things in my life because I don't want to give you secondhand um, information in dealing with healing. So um, I was displaying my hoop skills in San Diego many years ago. Those of you who don't know what that is, that's basketball. Okay. And uh, I went up for a rebound, displaying my 42-inch vertical leap. Yep, that's right. It's 42 inches, right? Yeah. Anyways, I go up high. I was younger, okay? I could jump. And at the same time, someone by the name of Tom Short somehow takes my legs out from underneath me. And I fall forward towards the floor, head first with my hands out, and I break both of my arms. Yeah, it was, it was fun. <laughs> and so through the gift of using modern medicine and doctors and the discoveries that God has allowed, surgery happens, screws are placed into my elbow, and I am healed. My jump shot is not as good as it used to be, but... Uh, <laughs> Anyways, um, so that's one way that God heals. A third way, and I want you to really listen to this, because this is, this, is, this is where we get tripped up sometimes. God heals divinely and miraculously. Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, who it tells us in Acts 10, had been anointed. He, we see him laying his hands on the blind and on the deaf, and causes them to see and causes them to hear, as well as the healing here in Acts 3. Because Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit with power, this happens. It was not by his own inherent divine nature that Jesus healed, but through his dependence on the Spirit that he healed the sick. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Nick shared with us a few uh, about some of the verses that talk about the power that was in Jesus of the Holy Spirit and in his life. That verse to write down is Acts 10.38. It says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And so the question begs, does he do this today? Does God heal miraculously Today, from my personal experience, whether it's through the gifts of, of healing uh, mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12 or by God's grace, in a moment of time, when he chooses to intervene, I believe he does. Can I share some more personal experience with you? Uh, once again, um, I really would not want to share things about God miraculously or, or healing somebody that was from second or third hand, stories that we read, of course, on Facebook or whatever it might be. So while living in San Diego, and for any of you new here, I was a pastor there for, uh, of a church for about 13 years, and a young girl of a family in our church was severely anorexic, so much to the point she was hospitalized, she wasn't doing well, nothing was working, uh, she was going downhill fast. And in the spirit of James 5, somebody asked, uh, where it says, If anyone among you is sick, let him or her call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him or her, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And so their parents asked if I would come, uh, dear friends of ours, and pray um, over her and anoint her with oil. 
And I just want to let you know that this has only happened to me one time. Not that it's the only time that I prayed over people, but the experience here. So I anointed her with oil. I asked her some questions about her life and if there was anything she wanted to to confess or, or, or pray about. And I anointed her, and I distinctly felt, when I put my hands on her head with oil, electrical charges. And I almost stopped praying. And I opened my eyes while I'm praying. And honestly, it, it freaked me out a little bit. Um, it coming off of my fingers into her head as I was praying for a healing. And right after that time, things changed dramatically. She was discharged almost immediately from the hospital. Her, her, she gained her weight back. She started eating again. Whatever was oppressing her at that time, which I believe was a spiritual oppression, had left. And the result is this. Take a look. I had the privilege of going back to San Diego and, and performing their wedding on a beautiful coast in La Jolla. And, uh, um, and she's married now. And I'll show you another picture here. Uh, and so her name is Amy. And, and some of you know Amy. Um, and that's her family. She's married. She's got two beautiful kids. And uh, that was my own personal experience with the miraculous. Well, just a few years back, Erin, uh, who's my wife, um, her dad suffered a stroke. He was hospitalized. He could not move his whole left side. Erin had flown out to California. Um, she was there in a room with her, her brothers and, and some other family. They all left the room. And so Aaron went over to him, laid hands on him, and prayed a prayer of healing. He was, he, was, he was conscious at this time, but he couldn't move the left side. And as she prayed for his healing, something amazing happened. As she prayed for him, he reached up and he wiped a tear with his left hand from his, there you go, from his eye. God healed him at that moment and used his daughter. It was just the two of them and the Lord. And this crazy 90-year-old on his birthday you know, I'll show you a picture of getting ready to... He was on a zip line at the Wild Animal Park with, with Aaron, my wife, and my, my two kids. And he whipped... Whip, whip, whatever it's called, zip lining. And, you know, this, this past year, he went to Scotland on a trip. And he just got done telling us he signed up for an African safari. <laughs> the dude is crazy. So, uh, anyways, but those are real. Those are real. God did that. Just yesterday I had a conversation with a guy by the name of Gary Benton. Um, some of you know him. And uh, his parents go here, and they're, they're members here. And Alan Sandy. And um, he was at a camp one time and uh, working as a camp counselor. Him and his buddy who needed to lead this camp had laryngitis. They couldn't talk. And so they decided to, hey, why not pray for healing? And so uh, they prayed over his, his friend. His friend was immediately... Now, this, isn't, this, is, this is not firsthand. This is somebody that I know from their mouth, okay? So it's a little bit one step removed. I realize that. 
but he was healed. And they said, Hey, we need to pray for you. They prayed for him. And he said what he felt was his, his neck just like opening up and a gush of air, just going into it. And he was immediately able to begin talking. So guys, these are not stories on Facebook, on guidepost or, or whatever it is. And these things, um, are real. Finally, there's a, a fourth way that God heals. And that is when we as Christ followers, when we die and we go to be with the Lord, just like Billy Graham. We go directly into the presence of the Lord and sickness and affliction will never be a part of us. As it says in 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty six, And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. So, yes, those are are powerful stories. But at this point, many of you may be asking our second question. So if God does heal, why doesn't God heal everyone? In other words, why does God only heal certain people and not everyone who prays to be healed? It's a good question. So I want to try to articulate this. I had some help with this gathering from different sources. And uh, the answer uh, simply is that it is not always God's will to heal a person physically. A person may sincerely pray, truly have faith that God can heal, but ultimately it may not be God's will to heal at that time and that a healing will not take place. First John five fourteen tells us, and this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, his will. Sometimes God's blessings come in other ways besides physical. Sometimes God uses these things. And so in this big picture, which we're going to talk about in God's big picture in just a moment about healing, it may not be his will at this time. We don't know that. Was it God's will uh, for Aaron's dad? Yes. Was it God's will for Amy at that time? Yes. But just from a a simple thought here, if it were always God's will for people to be healed, right, then nobody would be sick, right? Everybody would be healed every time we prayed. And so uh, basically we would get rid of illness. Uh, If good health were always God's will, then Christians should never die. But we know that's not true. So let's flesh this out a little bit. Why doesn't God heal everyone who prays for healing? And let me premise this here with a little bit um, of the understanding that a lot of times uh, the issue when we come to be prayed for, it's, it can be tough, it can be rough, we can be in situations, we've just received a diagnosis, our, 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 our kids are hurting through something, they've got cancer, whatever it may be. And so those are, those are tough times when we come. And it could be in our darkest hours. And we ask this question, God, will you heal? God, will you heal? And sometimes he does, and sometimes he doesn't. So first, God does not always respond to our wants. He doesn't always respond to our desires. Does he hear us? Yes. And he frequently allows circumstances in our life which we wish he would not allow into our lives. We don't want this to happen. We don't want our friends, our family to suffer. Theologically, 
You know what we call this? We call it sovereignty. In other words, he's God. He knows and he sees what's going on. There is a bigger purpose and a reason that we don't know of. If we can squeeze God into a box and understand everything, I don't think he's a big enough God. We can't do that. Something that has to be at the core of our faith, and I want to challenge you if it's not there to, be, to grow in this, is the idea, and then what we learn from his word, is that God is in control. And this includes the events that he directs and the circumstances that he allows in our lives. See, God has the power and responsibility. It's his job to exercise his right over his creation that he created. In Psalm 50, verse 1, it says, The mighty one, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth. It's his creation. We are, you are his creation. Psalm 115.3 says, Our God is in the heavens, and he does all that he pleases. Even Peter, our main character in this story here in Acts 3, he understood this. He understood how sometimes um, not, not everybody is healed. First Peter 4.19 says, Therefore let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while still doing good. Secondly, when this happens, our nature, and everybody does this, I do this, and I'll explain this a little bit more in just a moment here. We have a tendency to doubt God's love or God's sovereignty in the midst of the time when things are going bad, when we're suffering, when things seem to be out of control. We're wondering, is there really a God? Does he know what's going on? Does he know how I am suffering here? And so here's how that looks. When we do doubt what we're saying, in essence, that we know more then God knows that we have the answer, that we know the story, that we know the script. We presume to comprehend more than he does as to what is going on. And so when we look at it from our, our point of view, when we, we see this, we ask those questions, well, why wouldn't he heal? I mean, he says that he loves me. Why wouldn't he heal? Why wouldn't he heal? My child, my wife, my friend. Can't he see what's going on? Can't he see the suffering? And thirdly, in order to understand this, is for us to have an idea or to handle these doubts and to live a, a life that is actually victorious in Christ, we have to embrace that God's grace is sufficient in all circumstances. And what do I mean by this? It's very easy to say, oh, God's, when things are going well, God's grace, isn't he amazing? He came through, I prayed, he answered this prayer. And so we're on the mountaintop, and God's grace feels good. But God's grace doesn't disappear when we're in those valleys. It's still God's grace, and it's understanding that it is sufficient even in those circumstances. It's been said like this, it is imperative that the God of the mountaintop also be the God of the valley. You know, Paul himself, what? How many times did he request to be healed? Three different times, right? He wanted to be healed. He pleaded with the Lord. What was the Lord's response? 2 Corinthians 12, 9. My grace is sufficient for you. Was, was he in the valley? Yeah. 
For my power is made perfect in weakness. What about Jesus? Jesus who endured for the joy set before him, what he had to go through. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated now at the right hand of the throne of God. God's grace, understanding of of his sovereignty, allows us to do the same. Although we may not be able to completely understand what is going on, why we are not being healed, we have to cling to God's goodness and follow the pattern of his son, of his disciples. Listen to this quote. As with the cross, our darkest hour may be God's finest moment. It may be there that he does his greatest work, albeit unseen to us. Thus, instead of letting circumstances consume us, we are to be consumed with God. To that end, we pray without ceasing, trust in his sovereignty, and find comfort in his hope. You know, we've seen this expressed uh, by the, the, the apostles. The apostles didn't heal everybody. Everybody didn't get healed in the New Testament. Um, you know, just as a note, uh, Paul in Philippians 2 mentions his good friend Epaphroditus. God doesn't heal him. Timothy was ill. Paul said, hey, why don't you use medicine called wine to help with your stomach? Uh, you know, Paul could have just laid hands on Timothy and healed him. In 2 Timothy 4.20, Paul mentions that he left uh, Trophimus sick at Miletus. Miletus, not sure how that's pronounced. And I think now, you know, with that, the best way to, to understand this, once again, is personal. Not somebody else's stories. And uh, for myself, I've been working on this healing thing for quite a while of my adult life. And many of you too, because many of you have walked through a lot of different things and you're still suffering perhaps, or you've been healed in different ways. But I've been working through this because God is working through this with me from my head to my toes. Years ago, um, I got diagnosed with a brain tumor. And so obviously being a believer, um, had hands laid on me. We prayed and prayed. It happened very quickly. Um, and God did not take that away, but he did by the use of a doctor. And so I got operated on and they took that thing out and I got a nice little plastic thing in my head right now. Um, from that, you already heard about my elbows and how I broke both of those. It's a very interesting thing to break both your elbows. One was def- one was not as bad, so that helped. So God used doctors there. I got a hernia. I prayed over that hernia. I laid hands on that hernia, and it didn't go away. And so it got operated on, and now that's good. I, uh, a while back, uh, starting in San Diego, started having severe back problems. Um, did everything you're supposed to do, every possible thing. 
and twice and three times and, and, and prayed and prayed and prayed. I even went to Arizona with a friend, Mike Cater, who some of you know, uh, was uh, one of the original pastors here. And he said, uh, come on, I want to pray. I want to lay hands on him. I got this friend. He's, he's, he's been praying over people. People are getting healed. And so I went there. I drove all the way to Arizona from San Diego. It's not that far a drive. It's beautiful. It's really cool. And, um, and so for, for a couple hours, he just prayed fervently over me to be healed. I didn't get healed. So I, when I, came, uh, I eventually came here, and I now had spinal fusion surgery, my L5-S1. Uh, I got some more metal down there. Um, right now, I got a torn meniscus. And about a month ago, I fell down the stairs and I wrecked my shoulder. And so I'm going to have to go get that taken care of. So uh, um, this is me. This is, this is, it's not a story to say, wow, you know, look at all those things. The idea of me being here and you telling you these things is that, that I have approached God in this area and asked him to heal me miraculously. The deal is, is that I've seen God heal miraculously. He just has chose, not chosen to do it for me at this point. And I can tell you that these stories, I, I believe God has used them. I believe God has used them. And my faith, believe it or not, is stronger now than it has ever been, even though he hasn't com- uh, completely healed me of all these things or he used doctors. Right now, both the bottom of my feet are numb, 724. And I just feel that all the time. It's just a reminder that, that that's there. But yet, it, because I've seen God work, it doesn't zap me of my faith. So as I said, I've seen and know people personally that have been healed. I've even been a part of that healing. I've experienced God healing me through doctors and not healing me all the way. I've called out to God on many occasions for him to heal. And I still do. And I'll pray every time and any time. God has decided to challenge my faith. In all these things, I prayed for healing. In all this, it has strengthened my understanding of who God is and my faith. And I have grown from it. It's how he has shaped me. It's how he has shaped my, my ministry. It's, it's how he has shaped me when I talk to people. I want to invite the, the worship team back up at this time. And I want to leave you with a few thoughts, okay? And this is what I have come to believe in this area of, of healing. First off, that God sometimes has bigger purposes on earth than giving us physical healing. I don't know what they are. Sometimes he allows us uh, to know him better through pain in our life. And sometimes he uses our suffering to bring others to him. Secondly, all of us desire to be healed of our sickness. But it may be that our healing depends on whether sickness and whether recovery or whether death glorifies God the most. See, it's, it's, not always, it's not an issue of faith. If it was an issue of faith, then Abraham would have never died. I don't know. Father of faith. Paul, the apostle, he's a pretty faithful dude. He was sick occasionally. He had a thorn. So it's not an issue of that. Are we to have faith, and are we to pray in faith, as we learned in chapter 3? Yeah. But that's not the final determining factor. Three, 
God is still in the healing business. Sometimes he heals instantaneously, sometimes gradually, sometimes through medicine. And he uses the body of Christ to continually work in the ministry of healing by talking about his word, by giving messages, by laying hands on one another, by praying for one another. Number four, God never says no to a request for healing. He never says no. He either says yes, as it was for Amy and Aaron's dad, or he says not yet. Not yet. Next, fifthly, I have seen firsthand God heal once again. I believe he heals today in many different ways, even miraculously. Therefore, I believe that God can and may, in his grace, choose to heal. And we have every right as children of God to pray for healing. And finally, how can we see more healing? Pray, ask, fast, believe, persevere. And how should we pray? Matthew 6.10, Thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I know that I'm not going to stop praying and asking God to heal. And I will pray for healing for anybody that asks. Because our God is miraculous and he loves us and he loves you. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for, for just blessing me with the opportunity to see you work miraculously in people's lives. Lord, thank you that you do indeed heal in many different and wonderful ways. And Father, I pray for us here that we would learn to, uh, to trust you. Lord, that we uh, would grow more into believing your sovereignty over our lives. And Father, I know the the most miraculous healing that takes place. And it's happening today in churches all over the world is that miracle of healing, of restoration with you. And so, Father, I pray this morning, if there's anybody here, Lord, speak to their heart. Wrestle with them right now. Let them be uncomfortable, Lord, and let them cry out to you and ask for you to come into their life, that you would heal them of the separation from you, that you would restore and reconcile them to you. That they would ask for forgiveness for not following your ways. Lord, speak to them how much you love them. And that if they would turn their lives over to you, accept the sacrifice of your son Jesus on the cross, that they too will be miraculously, completely healed for eternity. If that's you here, pray that right now. And if you do, God will heal you for all of eternity. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.